Hello, hi, Dan here for another ramble walk. Um, yeah, you might be saying, is this because you've got nothing prepared for your Tuesday episode? Well, there might be a little bit of truth in that, but obviously you would never say it to my face because that'd be rude, wouldn't it? But um, but I can say that because it's true. But you know what? I thought I'd use this Tuesday on my regular walks out in misty Cambridgeshire to talk a bit about some of the plans I've got for this podcast and also a bit of news really about some of the things I've been doing this week um, which I think are worthwhile sharing and um, you know if you find this boring then I guess you're not even listening yet so you're not going to miss anything but um, if you are listening yeah let me start sharing with you. So firstly it's been a great week I've just been on two podcasts today um, today is Monday the 22nd of February. Uh, one is the James Sinclair uh, business po- uh, podcast and he was trying to find out a bit about my my story, really, and Delicious Guilt Free and the sort of story in the last, what, like 10 months and what's happened. And I just thought, well, it'd be good to share it here as well. So I thought I'd talk a bit about that. And also, for these Tuesday episodes, I've got something quite exciting, exciting planned. Graham Phillips, you might remember him, he's a pharmacist who gave up drugs. And he has said that he'll come on and we're going to do kind of between six and eight short episodes about different topics of his choosing. So uh, I know one of them's going to be like calorie in, calorie out, um, carbs, um, all sorts of topics which I want to learn about. So I thought, you know what, this is my sort of philosophy really for this. If you want to learn something, you can just go and talk to somebody who is more intelligent than you are, who's an expert in that field, and just ask them questions. And I find, you know, you meet someone like Gary Torbs, you just ask him and you say, can you explain this to me? or Asima Hotra, or Dr David Unwin, my wife Besma. You know, there's so many people that I know like that, and I just learned from them, and I thought for Graham Phillips, brilliant, let's get him on the show. He can have his own little series and teach me what he knows, getting information from his head into mine. So that's quite exciting. We'll be working on that on the next few weeks, and, yeah, should be good. Okay, uh, by the way, you're just listening to this in your earphones, but I'm actually walking outside talking quite loudly by myself so um yeah some people look at me like is he on the phone or is he just having a breakdown a bit of both a bit of both anyway so the next thing i was going to tell you about was a bit about our story because it's something that i get asked quite often and i appreciate that i don't really talk about delicious got free often on this podcast and that's because i never really want to see this podcast as a, a commercial thing um this for me is well, it's something that I'm trying to grow for the UK community and I want the low-carb people in that community to feel, you know, it is about low-carb, it's honest, it's true to its mission to spread the word. It's not for me to go and sell you stuff. And I find sometimes people, when they've got a podcast, it's all commercial, you know, it's all about them selling to you and I don't like that. What I do in my business is a low-carb business and, of course, Delicious Guilt's free sponsors this podcast. But the actual show itself... It's not about that. The show itself is about you and, uh, you know, your story. And people who want to come on the podcast are sharing their story with us. Uh, Or it might be educational because I'm speaking to someone like Graham Phillips and, you know, I'm learning with him and hopefully you are too. By the way, I'm just in the Cavendish Laboratory now. We live very close to it and uh, I'm walking through the university grounds. There are these massive tankers and machines and they're all keeping labs cool, I guess, and purifying the air and whatnot. Those are chemical tanks everywhere very interesting 
So yeah, so Galicia Guilt Free has been an interesting journey for me because it's almost a year ago that my life changed. Um, so we were running Delicious Guilt Free for two years and, you know, I was paying the company. I wasn't getting paid anything by it. Uh, as it turned out, when I finally looked at the accounts and worked out, I was making a massive loss. But I really believed in what we we're doing. So I was teaching by day. I used to teach the lad uh, about a few miles away from where I live. I cycled to his house. Um, and I was working through this uh, charity organisation paid for by the council. And I was going to teach him A-levels each day. Uh, he was like, yeah, 17, 18 year old. And then in the evening, I'd come home, do the kids' bedtimes and dinners. And then I'd um, do politics tutoring after that. So I'd head off back out into town and, you know, I was tutoring adults who just wanted to know more about it. I was running a course. I put together a politics course. I was teaching Labour Party members in Cambridge that course. And about, I love the constitution. I love, you know, electoral systems. And I just love politics. So I was teaching that as a bit of a, you know, extra income and also just voluntarily as well and then at night time I'd come back after all that and bake until you know sometimes well I'll say sometimes regularly until two in the morning um go to bed I had a you know my son's two now so the last those two years really I was also you know doing the night feeds and whatnot with him quite often so I'd have the bottle of the express breast milk um yeah that was my life really now What's weird is, when I look back on it, I just think, what was I doing? Um, why? It's, from an outsider's point of view, which I feel like I'm an outsider to that part of my life now, it just seems ridiculous. You know, so you weren't making any money. You're, you, know, you could have got some sleep. And I, I honestly believe that lack of sleep was dangerous for me. I mean, you know, you could go around thinking you're some sort of hero who didn't sleep much, which is stupid. All you're doing is damaging yourself. So I'm kind of kicking myself on that front now. But actually, you know what? I kind of believed in what we're doing. That's probably why. No, it's definitely why. Because I knew that it was going to help people. Um, you know, we'd get emails from people who said, I'm a type 2 diabetic. I've not actually had any cake or anything like that, any sugar, for like the last year or two. And so as people walking past, they come looking a bit weird. Um, and, you know... and. These people would say, you know, I've not had any cake and now I can suddenly eat cake again. Thank you. And it doesn't, you know, I've got the blood reading here. No spike in my blood sugar at all, which means, you know, it's healthy for me. And uh, there's another customer who, you know, used to tell us about their chemotherapy. And I'd be like, bloomin' heck, you know, we're doing something here that actually matters. It's not, you know, there's a lot of food businesses where, you know, what's your unique angle? And I might say, well, we're homemade or, you know, we're vegan or whoever it is. And I think sugar-free is on a whole new level. You know, people just for medical reasons cannot have sugar. It's not, it's not a, a lifestyle choice because it's the luxury of choice. It's, they have no option. And so we are there to say, here's something for you. And I, I think that for me just, yeah, it kept me going. And I also knew it had real legs and it would make, make money to pay me eventually. And I, I never did it for the money, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, I want to make a living, but I never did it for the money. I just did it because I knew it made a difference in people's lives. So that kind of carried on and things got busier January 2020. Um, I think January is always a good time for low carb food and people are thinking about diets and changing their health regimes and whatnot. So I think that was quite helpful. And then we had one day where in March things just went crazy and 
we had 2,000 pounds of orders in one day. Now, just to put that into context, we used to make, in turnover terms, about 3,000 a month. Um, and that pretty much paid for the ingredients. It paid for, um, well, that's about it, really, um, because we didn't make any money out of it. And the postage as well. So the postage would cost quite a bit, and I'd take the orders, cycle into to work in the morning, leave them in the fridge, and then take them to the post office on my bike, drop them off, I knew all the postal workers really well, drop them off there, head back home. By the time you've done all that with the ingredients, there's not really much left after £3,000. You know, that's just paying things to get along, really. So one day we've got £2,000, and I just suddenly realised that we can't do this from home anymore. This is impossible. Um, and so we just about got through the baking. I did it, you know, very little sleep. But then we realised that something had to change. And so as the lockdown set in we decided to look for cafes and pubs and any kitchen that might be shut with a kitchen space with a bigger oven that we could use and so that's when we moved to this little cafe in a village just outside uh, of Cambridge and yeah we just said look we can pay the rent we can take this space on it means we've got more room to expand Uh, we had a couple of temps like students and people who came just to help out a little bit and um that was it really yeah we just kind of grew and spent two months in that cafe and it was amazing because I think before that mindset wise I'd always thought well this is my little side hustle thing that I'm doing it's not my full-time job but suddenly it changed where I mean it's a bad time I was basically doing online lessons with this student and other students uh, and then I was kind of between the lessons running down again from the upstairs in the cafe to the kitchen and baking more and then going upstairs to do more teaching while they were chopping it all and boxing it and all the rest of it. It was just a bit crazy, really, but it just meant that I could focus on deliciously guilt-free properly for the first time and really put my energy into it. And, you know, naturally, (laughs) what happens when you work on something harder? It grows. And so we suddenly realised by the end of June, uh, oh, yeah, we can't really, well, we can't at all move back to my house because we've outgrown this place now. In fact, the, the cafe was far too small for us um we had you know all the tables in the cafe were covered in boxes for those flavors and then the kitchen was rammed full because we got loads of more trays and bigger bowls and all of that paraphernalia so we just completely outgrew that kitchen and so then we thought well now the okay bit of a lesson there in uh keeping your battery on your phone fully charged never mind um it cuts out but i'm back home and i thought i'd carry on my story so what i was saying then about the cafe being too full it was a really weird feeling because we thought well we could do this from home however our kitchen at home was only just keeping up with the orders previously but of course when you have more space like in the cafe and you've got staff suddenly you realise you can get more orders out and that means you get more sales in. So there's just no way we can move back home. And we were thinking at some point of kind of converting our house even more into the business, which would have been a complete disaster because, you know, where are we going to fit two kids under the age of four? Um, you know, a family trying to live in a home in a small flat, by the way. We don't live in a grand home or anything. We live in a in a university accommodation place um, with boxes, you know, like in shelves and baking in the kitchen. It's just not going to work. So we found a soft play which was closed because, of course, soft plays uh, wouldn't reopen um, because they would, you know, how would you keep social distancing with children? And, of course, soft plays are expecting to open in September. 
um, when the schools reopened, but they didn't know, you know, when when they'd be opening for sure. And so we spoke to this lady and she said we could have it for uh, a few months. And so from July and August, uh, two amazing months, we were in a soft play just outside Cambridge. And, um, yeah, we'd have meetings in the ball pool. My kids loved it. They thought I was the coolest dad ever because suddenly we had a soft play we were using. And we used their kitchen um, and then we had a seating area and then that was used for the orders to be packed. So we kind of expanded into that. Um, and it was great. I mean, I really loved being there. Um, it was a big space. There was even talk of us taking it over and fitting it out and everything, which we, you know, considered. But then we didn't have the money to do that. And it would have taken a lot of investment to get that to being, a, you know, a whole commercial kitchen without a soft play in it. Um, and then that's when we really lucked out and um, the kitchen we're in now became available um, I didn't realise really at the time, but, you know, commercial kitchen space is really hard to get hold of. Um, and so we decided to go for it. As soon as a place kept, became available, we thought, well, we really just can't pass up on this opportunity. So we took it and that's where we are now. Um, and yeah, being in that commercial space has been really important. I didn't realise quite how important at the time. Um, you know, it's all set up with the sort of plastic sheets on the walls and the inside to keep it all clean and, you know, the right water supply the right sinks the right electric you know three-phase electricity for the machines and whatnot all of that stuff and so it has been superb in terms of an you know, environment to work in um it's perfectly set up for everything which meant we could improve the you know get a bigger oven eventually for the electricity supply there all of that stuff um and also the staff we took on you know had kitchen training which i didn't have you know apart from the basic hygiene certificate um you know the level two and then i did my level three but the people i'm employing had those qualifications too which made a massive difference so it meant we could just expand um and then yeah the last few months have been kind of getting used to that place and i think now we're at a turning point where we can actually take it to the next level so my plan next is now we have these new processes um you know do we, how do we up our production uh, so the big trays, and I've been talking a lot about that on Instagram. My big trays are a part of that to try and make sure we can make more of our of our cakes and brownies and stuff. But also, it gives us the option to be able to um, produce other things too. So I'm just thinking now about you know how can we um, produce other things like cookies or maybe savoury things in the future as well, keeping it gluten free. Um, I think that's really important for so many, and because we're known for that as well. We want to kind of keep that standard. So, yeah, so that's the story that I shared. Um, and in terms of growth, I mean, you know, we went from uh, a tiny little business with, you know, £3,000 turnover a month to 60000 uh, in 10 months, which is just incredible, really. Um, and more recently, there's been certainly growing pains. And we've noticed that, you know, when you get that massive influx of orders, you suddenly have to recruit quickly to try to keep up with the orders. And... That has caused problems and, you know, you can't just recruit overnight. It does take time um, and, you know, you have to give those people time to train and to get used to their jobs as well and, uh, you know, for them to flourish. So it's not easy, um, but it's obviously a good problem to have and I'm very grateful. So I thought I'd share that and I shared it on the James Sinclair podcast today. Uh, I'm recording this on the Monday, so... Um, uh, you're hearing this the day after recorded, but I don't know when that episode is coming out. But if you're interested in hearing that story, then go ahead and listen. Okay, so that's me done, really. Um, so have a marvellous week, and there'll be another episode on Friday. Take care, guys. Bye.